the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. Hour two of our program. We're on every day from three to five right here on 99.5 KKLA. We're on in San Diego on KPraise, AM 1210, FM 106.1 if you're in North County. Good to be with you. I'm Scott Furrow. We're here every day, like I said, and I hope that you had a good 4th of July weekend that it was safe, safe and sane, as they used to put on the firework box. Uh, do they still do that? Uh, maybe they do. Uh, safe and sane, not a lot of sanity is all the uh, exploding fireworks all over town that I saw everywhere, but uh, hopefully everybody is okay and uh, doing well. Uh, update on the situation in Chicago. The shooter, who we will not mention his name, uh, is being charged with seven counts of first-degree murder. And uh, so there's some progress on that case there and that terrible thing. You know, when we think about our our country and we think about where we're headed, one of the things I think we're crying out for is is leadership. But I'm wondering if we know what that is. I want to ask this question. What makes a good leader? What are you looking for in a leader, or if you are a leader, what is it that you try to do? I think we have some very good biblical examples. Maybe you've got a, a shout out you want to give to somebody you think is a good leader. You just want to thank them for being a good leader. You know what it's like to work for somebody who's a good boss, or to work for somebody who maybe they're not the boss, but they're a good leader on the staff where you work, or they're a good leader you know, in your workplace. There are people who lead without position. You know, Some people think that Leadership means you've got a title, you know, something that they put on your business card that you can put out there. But that's the the simplest level of leadership. Uh, that doesn't make you a leader. If you ever read the Dilbert comic strip, uh, Dilbert's the Dilbert principle is what it's called. The Dilbert principle is that they promote the incompetent people into management um, because they're not really leaders. Um, so you know, if you're if you're in charge of people, you oversee people. It doesn't mean you're a leader. Uh, it can mean you're a leader, though. Obviously, there's a lot of cynicism there with all of that. What do you think? The number is 888-528-2557. If you want to join our conversation, 888-528-2557. You can also send me an email, SoCalLive at KKLA.com. Got your email, Nelson. Thank you for that. And um, so where are the leaders at? This is a question that I am asking and lots of other people are asking. In fact, uh, Henry Kissinger, you know that guy? Um, he's still alive, which I had to look it up. Uh, he is 99 years old, Henry Kissinger. He's coming out with a new book on leadership. And he's asking the question, really, where are the leaders? And, of course, when he says it, it's probably like, where are the leaders? Um, if you know how he talk, I bet that he's not doing the audio version of that book. I just something tells me that <laughs> it's not going to be you know, read by the author. No, they're going to hire somebody to do that. Uh, anyway, I used to, uh, I got to, I met Henry Kissinger one time. I snuck into an event where he was at, uh, I was, it was at the, uh, he was at the Hotel Del Coronado and there was an event there and uh, I saw it and I knew he was there and some other people and I snuck in, I got my picture with him. The problem is, is I was, he was in a suit and tie and at this fancy hotel, Hotel Del Coronado in uh, San Diego area, Coronado Island, 
he was in a suit and tie, and I was wearing uh, shorts, flip-flops, and this stupid political T-shirt where you could write something on it, like a little chalkboard, and you'd write your things. And it was dumb. And I can't give that picture out to anybody because I look like a moron. Uh, but, you know, I met Henry Kissinger. That's that's cool, I guess. Historical figure, whatever you might think of him one way or the other. Anyway, he wrote a new book, and he wrote this. He said that leaders think and act in the intersection of two axes. The first between the path and the the past and the future. The second between the abiding values and aspirations of those they lead. They must balance what they know, which is necessarily drawn from the past, with what they uh, intuit about the future, which is inherently conjectural and uncertain. It is this intuitive grasp of direction that enables leaders to set objectives and lay down a strategy. I think that's interesting. The book uh, deals with a lot of old leaders, um, you know, and he's an old guy, so he's thinking about people uh, back in the day. Richard Nixon's one of them, okay? Uh, Anwar Sadat, some people, if you know your history, uh, Margaret Thatcher, people who are great leaders in, in history. But uh, the interesting thing to me is that those guys are are very old history. You know, I'm wondering if, you're, if you are younger, say that you're under 30, and I mentioned Ronald Reagan, um, Somebody told me once, and I think this is right, that to you, Ronald Reagan is just as old as FDR in your mind. Like he's, it's that ancient. So for some of us who might have lived through that era, or maybe even Bill Clinton, if you're, you could be 20 years old, 25 years old, you probably don't remember Bill Clinton as president. And uh, is he that old now? I mean, the guy's still alive. Is he, is he? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I'm, I'm still here. Okay, very good. Is when you mention these guys, you have to reach back. And I'm looking at this Kissinger book. I'm not going to buy it probably or read it. I just read the little summary to you. But I, I wanted to know who's he talking about. Is he talking about anybody current? And I mean, Charles de Gaulle, he's, who was the president of France during World War II, uh, is who's in there so long ago. And I am wondering, and I've asked the question, who are the leaders today? Not people who happen to be the president, not people who happen to be um, maybe even running for president or who are the leaders today? I asked this question whenever Putin invaded uh, Ukraine. Where's the Winston Churchill? You know, people are comparing uh, Zelensky to Churchill and the, the comparison, you know, at one point it was sort of like, OK, he understands the comparison. He's there to fight. And, uh, you know, he did have a, a great moment. When he said, you know, I don't need when we offered to take to to get rid of him to take it to get rid of him. We offered (laughs) maybe that's the political idea, but we offered to remove him from the country to give him safe passage so he could set up a Ukrainian government in exile, I guess. Uh, When we offered him that his response was to say, I don't need a ride. I need ammunition, you know, and I thought, ah. Here's somebody who wants to stay and fight and leadership, and that sounded very Churchillian kind of thing, but that that comparison doesn't really last very long. And not to criticize him, but I'm wondering where where are the leaders today? Where are the people that we're going to look at in this era, um, in the future time, 25 years from now, when we look back, who are we going to say are the actual leaders? And I'm as I say that, and if you're thinking of people who are current, uh, 29%, according to Forbes magazine, 29% of Americans want Joe Biden to run for re-election. Only 29%. Only 39% want p- former President Donald Trump to run in 2024. So a vast majority of people don't want those two guys, our last two presidents, our current president, to run again. He says he's running again. There's no way he's running again, President Biden. 
Uh, I think Trump might be running again, but I'm not sure. Uh, I'm going to say, yes, he will run. I'm not sure he's going to win. Um, President Biden says he's going to run. I think the answer is he's not, uh, primarily because of his age. You know, some there's probably enough sense to say, all right, I'm going to be 82 at the end of this term, and if I run again, that means I'll be 86. Although he might be looking at uh, Kissinger and going, well, that guy's you know 99, still writing books. I don't know. That's just that's just my thought. The uh, a new poll just came out said 29 percent. Yeah, the see the uh, uh, Harris poll, 29 percent. Uh, respondents say they believe Biden should run, only 29%. And that poll was just taken last week. I think that's probably right. 45% said it's because he's a bad president. 30% said he's too old, and about a quarter said it's just time for a change. Well, uh, if it's time for a change, doesn't that mean bad president? I mean, how does that, doesn't that mean that's what we want? Uh, I don't know. It probably doesn't mean exactly that, but maybe that's just people being being nicer. Uh, the poll also found that 61% of voters believe President Trump should not run again. 39% want him back in the White House. The poll found that 33% of respondents said that Trump would further contribute to the dividing of the country. 53% of Republicans and 64% of Democrats say they would consider voting for a moderate, independent candidate if it came down to their choices being Trump and Biden. So when I ask the question, you know, who are the leaders? Who's coming up the ranks? Who is it, if, if we're just talking about it politically speaking? You know who I think is running for president? I think our governor is running for president. I think he's already started running for president. He bought, did you know this? He put a, a ad in Florida yesterday. He bought time and he put it on Fox News. This is the advertisement that Governor Newsom put in Florida. You won't see this in California. You're going to see it in Florida. It's Independence Day. So let's talk about what's going on in America. Freedom, it's under attack in your state. Your Republican leaders, they're banning books, making it harder to vote, restricting speech in classrooms, even criminalizing women and doctors. I urge all of you living in Florida to join the fight or join us in California, where we still believe in freedom, freedom of speech, freedom to choose, freedom from hate, and the freedom to love. Don't let them take your freedom. Paid for by Newsom for California Governor 2022. How about that? So he's putting that ad in Florida. What's he doing? You know, when I'm thinking of this, when he says he's inviting people in Florida who fled California to move to Florida, does he not know that? Does Does Governor Newsom not know that his picture is up on the wall in every U-Haul office in the state? I mean, it's uh, that just kind of made me laugh. But the reason he's doing this is probably not because he thinks there's a bunch of Floridians who are going to move back here or anything like nobody can afford to. How could you possibly do that? But he's running for president, and he thinks that his opponent is going to be Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida. And so he and he put it on Fox News. I think why you know if you're and let's just be honest here, Fox News is the conservative news station. I think we all know that he didn't put that on MSNBC or CNN, the more liberal stations, right? He put that on Fox News, where most of the people watching Fox News are going to lean conservative. They're never voting for Newsom, but he probably thinks there's enough purple people watching. And Fox News, by the way, tends to be number one. So it isn't that there isn't people on the left watching. He is trying to make that point. And he's thinking, my, my thought, my guess, is if you were running for president and you're the, you're the governor of California and you're a Democrat, you're thinking, well, I'm going to win California. And if I can pull Florida back, then I'm probably going to be president. Um, he's not going to say he's running for president because the party line is that Biden's running for president. But nobody really believes that underneath, I think. Or they think if President Biden decides to run, I think he's going to be challenged by a bunch of people. And probably 
you will see Governor Newsom get reelected in California, and you're going to see Ron DeSantis get reelected in Florida, uh, probably by big numbers, just based on the ways these states go. And they're very different. Governor DeSantis responded today with a, a really quick put-together sort of commercial. It's not as slick as that. It's not part of his government. It was just something that he put out. Uh, and it's a whole different approach. But uh, this has to do with a bill that he signed that is the, uh, I think it's called the the Freedom to Visit bill, which allows people to uh, go visit their loved ones in the hospitals. You know, one of the big issues between those two guys is going to be their approach to the COVID and how they dealt with it in each state. And they're very different. They probably represent the entire difference of the country, red and blue states, as far as how we deal with the COVID. This is what DeSantis had to say. This is uh, Now, this is something he signed, actually, in April. This isn't new. This is just something new that came out today. The bill that we're going to sign today is called the No Patient Left Alone Act, and it increases patient protections and ensures Florida families have a fundamental right to visit their loved ones receiving care in Florida hospitals, hospices, and long-term care facilities. The bill bans uh, facilities from requiring visitors to show proof of COVID vaccination. Also, policies cannot prohibit physical contact such as hugging between their loved ones. They would actually police this where you go in and you said, okay, you may be able to go, but you can't give uh, your wife a hug or you can't give your, your, your kid a hug. I mean, give me a break. And so we need to be able to protect that. Uh, this ensures families can be there and patients can have their support system around them when it ma- matters most. So that was Governor Ron DeSantis responding in a way to Governor um, Newsom of our state of California, who's putting ads in Florida. And he's responding because what he's really doing, and I'm supportive of that bill, by the way. I think one of the worst things that happened during COVID, which I think initially happened everywhere, but they they dealt with it better in Florida and most states uh, sooner. And it was terrible in California. The idea that you couldn't go visit your loved ones, especially the elderly, especially people living in, and I understand we're trying to protect lives, but I know people, and I'm speaking, you know, pastorally here, people in my church who declined rapidly because they were locked in their little room during the COVID here in California. One guy I know who is a great man, or he was, he was doing fine in April of 2020 when I called him on the phone. By May, I could start to hear the decline. By August, he hardly could have a conversation with me, but he was lamenting the whole time how he's just locked in his room and can't go outside, has to wave to his family out the window. Uh, and he died in the fall of 2020. Uh, and, you know, he was an older guy. Maybe he was failing anyway. But in in my mind, a lot, uh, his death was expedited because of the restrictions. And a younger person I know who had brain surgery um, during the COVID was not allowed to see any family for more than a year. And it was awful. And somebody whose recovery needed to be, they needed people around. There's something about people being with people that matters. It's how we're actually designed. That was one of the weirdest things about the COVID is that we're so afraid of spreading a disease around that we created other problems, which led to more problems. I think we've learned some about that. Anyway, the the politics of it is DeSantis and Newsom are going to go back and forth, assuming that they're running for office. My question is, today, where are the leaders? Are either one of these guys ready to lead the country? And by lead, I mean bring us together. We're divided more than we have been since right before the Civil War. 
we most people are saying they don't want President uh, Trump or President uh, Biden to run for reelection, partly because of their age. Donald Trump is younger than Biden, but not much. He'll be Biden's age in 2024. It's also because ne- nobody thinks that they're really uniting the country, that we need a different kind of leadership. And my friends, this is something that uh, I think we got to look for everywhere. Not people who are like squishy in the middle who can't speak the truth. I'm not saying that. But people who can actually speak boldly but bring people together and be persuasive about the truth. And there are ways to do this. 888-528-2557 is the number if you want to join the conversation. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. 888-528-2557. What are some qualities and leaders that you are looking for? Who is a leader that you that you know? Maybe you have a story to tell about somebody who's a leader even in your life. It doesn't have to be a political leader. It can be uh, just somebody you know. It can be a team captain. It can be a coach. It could be somebody that you work for. It could be a pastor. Could be just somebody in your household. What are some leadership characteristics that are always helpful? 888-528-2557. I think the reason we're asking for this is that when we look at our country, we're looking at the violence that we are seeing, the ever-increasing, um, I, I hesitate about the increasing gun violence because I think it was higher in the 90s, but it's increasing now from where it was you know, a few years ago. And maybe a lot of what's happening is we're increasing a lot of attention uh, to it. What are some things that are uh, leadership characteristics that you think are, would make a good leader? And what are some ways that we can be better leaders even in our relational worlds? Because everybody leads. And if you think you don't lead, I promise you, you do. If See, leadership is influence. I mentioned in the last hour. John Maxwell defined leadership that way in all of his books. Leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. I think it's a brilliant way to describe leadership. Obviously, there's a lot of nuance and a lot of other things to it. Leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. I promise you, you influence people. If you decide that you're not going to shower for a few days, I have this deodorant that says it'll last 72 hours. I bet if I decided to not shower, bathe for 72 hours, that I would influence people around me to not be around me. You may not realize that you're influencing people, but you you are one way or the other. 888-528-2557. Let's go to Nate in Long Beach. Nate, welcome to Southern California Live. How you doing, brother? Good, Nate. How are you today? Good, good. I have a very important question for you. Um, since you're a pastor, uh, do you feel a pastor should do everything he can against his congregation to reach the goal of salvation, or should he have the attitude of, I gave you a word, you know what to do, do it. I'm not going to go the extra mile. So you're talking about if should a pastor uh, go the extra mile to— All he can. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. extra mile to make sure that everyone is to living the best life they can in order to be saved. Even if they continue to mess up and need help, you might see it as help or whatnot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, or see them as being weak, should I say. Yeah. you know, Nate, are you a pastor at a church? No, not not at the moment, but yeah. I know that's what I'm supposed to do, and I have a different outlook. I think a pastor should go all out and make sure his congregation is successful no matter what it takes. Yeah. And I have a pastor that I believe is the opposite way, like, uh, mm. you know, be strong. Like, you know what to do. I, I, you know, I gave you the word, and, and, and the reference I'm using for that is, you know, I, it's very, very hard to stay on the right path. You know what I mean? 
Well, maybe to me. I can't speak for everyone. Yeah. So, you know, here... every now and then, some people can come off as needy. Uh, or not, I'm not, I'm not talking about asking for money. I mean, as far as like, uh, not, not staying on the right path. You mm. know what I mean? Yeah. You know, uh, Nate, I appreciate that, uh, that, uh, your question here. And, uh, let me answer it this way. One of the things I think that any pastor can do, and I'm speaking as a pastor, I'm speaking as a pastor who did a lot of things right and a lot of things wrong. And, you know, mm-hmm. we're all people who are, who have successes and failures, and we we do different things. One of the things, though, that is the most important, I think, is that we are able, whatever our ministry is, wherever we're at, is that we help people realize that everybody has a responsibility to be a witness to Christ, and that, biblically speaking, part of the role of leaders in the book of Ephesians, it tells us we're here to equip the saints— Okay, we are here to equip people to use the gifts that God gave them. And I think a pastor has a big role in doing that. Pastors might do it differently. Some pastors can do a lot of work from the pulpit. They are they just have a great ability to communicate from the pulpit and inspire people to actually do stuff from the pulpit. Other pastors have to sit in your living room and really help you and do that. It can be different. I think that's fine. But at the end of the day, if you are a pastor and you're leading, then what's happening is that people in your congregation are looking at the people that God has placed in their lives from the standpoint of the kingdom of God and saying, how do I represent Christ to you? See what I mean? And the pastor's job, I think, is to empower his congregation, I mean, one of the pastor's job, to be effective in their ministry. And, you know, one of the reasons we pray for the sick is is not just so they'll get well. We pray for the sick, and James tells us that you send, you know, you call for the elders of the church to come and pray for the sick. It isn't just so that they get well. It's so that they get back out on the field. It's so that they, the reason to get well, because let's, you know, if you're a believer and you know Jesus, you know, to die is gain, right? Um, You don't want to, you don't want to die, but you want to get well so that you can represent Christ to people out there. I got to take a break, Nate, and when we come back, I'll answer your question a little bit more fully. The number is 888-528. Thank you for calling, uh, Nate. Appreciate that very much. 888-528-2557 is the number. 888-528-2557 if you want to join the conversation. This is Southern California Live, and we're asking where are the leaders at? What are some great qualifications for leadership? What makes a good leader? What are some things that you would look for in a leader? What's an example of somebody who has led in your life? What are some things maybe you've done as a leader that have really led people? 888-528-2557. This is Southern California Live. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you today on this fine Tuesday afternoon in Southern California, 888-528-2557. We're talking about leadership, what makes a good leader. What are some things that you would look for in a leader or try to be as a leader? You can call and join the conversation, 888-528-2557. Speaking of leaders, in the uh, Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest yesterday, Joey Chestnut, the famous hot dog eater, won Although he was far off his record of, I think, 115 hot dogs in one sitting. He only did 63. But in uh, this one, you can go online and watch the video. There were some protesters there, some animal rights protesters, I guess, protesting all the eating of the hot dogs 
uh, which I'm not really sure is the right place, but, uh, you know, there you go. Uh, he had to put a guy in a Darth Vader mask in a chokehold while he's eating his hot dogs and uh, restrain that guy. And, uh, you know, is that leadership? Uh, you know, that's sometimes you got a multitask, right? You got a task to do, you got a contest to win, and you got to put Darth Vader in a chokehold and get him out of there. Uh, that happens. Uh, 888-528-2557. Does that happen? You know, if I would have told you on, uh, <laughs> on a Sunday that, uh, he was going to have to do that, you would have laughed at me, but there you go. That's the world we live in. 888-528-2557. Before the break, we were talking about, uh, leadership, uh, a uh, question about, Nate asked about uh, pastoral leadership. You know, one of the things I would just point out here, and I, I think that, you know, we talk about church leadership. I think these things all translate into whatever role we find ourselves in. I think certainly in the church this matters, but I think that uh, it matters wherever we are. Okay, so Ephesians chapter 4, so uh, verse 11, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Okay, so part of the job, a big part of the job of pastors and teachers is to equip people for works of service. Who are people? Well, the people who are part of our congregation, the people that are believers around us. How do we equip them? They have gifts. They've got things that they're going to do. And, you know, if you're if we're going to be successful in ministry, not your church nonprofit organization, it's going to grow, I think, if you do it right. I think that is something that is clear, biblically speaking. However, you know, there's other factors and it's population growth and different things. But if we are empowering the church to serve, the church is going to do better as far as what it does on mission um, and serve according to their gifts, not just the gifts people think they have. You know, there's always somebody who thinks that they're a great singer and they're a terrible singer, but nobody in the church tells them they're a terrible singer and they have to wait until they go on to uh, America's Got Talent and have Simon tell them they're a terrible singer. Um, you ever have that? That bugs me, right? There's always somebody who's like this terrible singer. They used to do that on that, uh, what was that show that uh, they canceled and they moved to a new station eventually? American Idol, right? There are always these singers during the tryouts that you you made fun of because they were so horrible. And they would often say, well, everyone in my church says I'm a great singer. Well, everyone in your church lied to you. You know, everyone in the church, we feel, you know, uh, that person is a terrible singer, but they might be a great Bible teacher, right? They might be a great uh, person with gifts of help who should be greeting people. Everybody's got gifts. We need to work together to put ourselves in, you know, put people in the right place, how they're designed by God. Now, the thing is, is that that's how the church should be built up. This is our first priority, but that works in your workplace, right? I mean, you have people who work wherever you work and the right people are doing the right jobs. Everything goes much better than if people are doing the wrong jobs. That's just a normal uh, part of the world that we live in. Leadership is uh, the ability to influence people in the right way, that people are actually following you to the right place. Uh, in the Christian sense, they're following you because you're following Christ and they're becoming more like Christ. 888-528-2557. Let's go to Oscar in Los Angeles. Oscar, welcome to Southern California Live. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I'm a regular listener to the station, but yeah. um, uh, I believe that um, President Trump was a great leader and he did accomplish what he said, but um, and they the Russia and all the stuff that the, the, they tried to railroad them that was proved wrong, mm-hmm. the media did not cover it. And um, since the 60s and even the 50s, we found out the, the, 
the power of the media that could change the minds of of the public. And since they control a great part, it's uh, it, it's kind of hard to come united because they choose. They they pin us against each other, and they could choose their favorite. Yeah, you know what? Based on their narrative. You know, Oscar, I think you're right that the media does divide on purpose, okay? That's why we know which news stations are liberal and conservative, right? Because there's definitely opinions going on in all of that. Let me ask you this, though. For what type of leader do we need to have in our country who can transcend that? Because the media, going back all of our history, has divided people. Uh, I think it was Mark Twain who says... uh, you know, I forget if you read the newspaper, you're informed, but you're also misinformed. Something for you know that standpoint. There's always been a sense of division and uh, bias in media. What kind of leader today would be able to transcend that and not make everybody agree on everything, but actually unite our country? You have any thoughts about that? Um, I'm a conservative, and uh, you know. What kind of conservative Listen, would uh, would lead our country? I love I lo- I, lo- I, lo- I, lo- I like Desante and I love um, uh, Cruz, and you know, and um, I'm a, Ronald Reagan was a great person, and uh, right now, uh, you know, it's kind of hard because right now um, we're at a cultural war, and like you, like we stated that the media and we have they're they're not they're not going to let us unite. That's what I, I find out. And when I talk to my relatives and friends, uh, pending, um, they, they're divided on, on the media sources that they listen to. Mm-hmm. And if you try to, and it, even if you, and it's kind of sad because in the world we live in, when you have truth, they would cover it up and, um, and not, uh, not acknowledge it. Yeah, that does happen. Oscar, thank you for your call very much. You know, I think he's right that the media divides. But what I'm looking at is is leadership and asking really this question in our country or just wherever we are. There's always forces of division. And it's not to excuse it. It's it's wrong. I wish the media would just cover the facts and just cover the news, right? There's always some new news organization that comes out and they say they're fair and balanced. And that was the idea. And they grow really fast. And they're fair and balanced for a while, but then they, they kind of lean one way or the other. Some of that's advertising-driven, right? It's uh, There's a lot of reasons for that. What I want to say is that with all of this trouble that we have and whatever our feelings are, I believe that there are leaders out there who can transcend it, right? The, the media was, was left and right and real biased against Ronald Reagan. He got 525 electorals. I mean, it was almost everybody voted for that guy, you know, relatively speaking, there's a way to do it. Who are those leaders today? What should we be looking for? And it doesn't have to be political leadership or national leadership. That's just one question. I think the principles of leadership work on the small scale, and they also work on the large national scale. 888-528-2557. If you want to join our conversation, this is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host, 888-528-2557. Let's go to Mark in Fountain Valley. Mark, welcome to Southern California Live. Thank you. Uh, yeah, Ronnie Reagan, where are you when we need you? Um, they uh, they called that yellow journalism, I guess, way back uh, about the uh, the media. And um, uh, I just wanted to say that um, diplomacy, I think, is a is a really great uh, leadership. Um, um, you know, mm-hmm. uh, got to be diplomatic, uh, and then also 
uh, knowing when to be quiet and just to listen. And right. Ronald Reagan was really good at, you know, being quiet and listening. But also he was, uh, he had a great memory. And uh, up until, you know, the end, I guess. But um, he had a great memory for details and facts. And um, he just had charisma and uh, great personality. And that's why everybody loved him. And that's why when he died, it was sort of like a, a king was passing. Um, I remember mm-hmm. that there were people at the uh, overpasses waving at, you know, the hearse going by. Yeah. It's um, I think that your point about uh, listening is and being, you know, being diplomatic, you can have diplomacy and go nowhere with your diplomacy. You know, that in itself doesn't mean anything. But I think that a good leader is somebody who can listen and actually bring people to the table for a discussion uh, without sacrificing what's true. But you got to get it out there. I appreciate your call, Mark, very much. Thanks for calling Southern California Live and being a listener. Let's go to Nick in Los Angeles. Uh, Nick, welcome to Southern California Live. Hey, Scott. How you doing, sir? Doing fine, Nick. How are you today? Good. Thank you. Just started listening to you recently. I really enjoy it. Thank you. Um, I was calling. Uh, I was just, It came to my, my mind, my heart. I'm a believer in Christ. Um, I really believe that uh, probably one of the most important things, if not, uh, is the fear of God and not man um, in our hearts. And I feel that when that when that is at the at the heart of a leader, that they're going to be willing to speak or be silent or be loud or be quiet or push or listen, um, regardless of what the um, emotional response of others may be. So I would say fearing God and not man. Yeah. In your heart. You know, Nick, I think you're right. Let me give you a... Uh... Hey, uh, thank you for your call, Nick, and thanks for listening to Southern California Live. Biblically speaking, and I think these things matter uh, for, you know, not just leaders in uh, political leadership, but leadership anywhere. Um, what you said, I think, is right. Exodus eighteen twenty one says this, moreover, and uh, this is the instruction that's given out to uh, how to put leaders over people in uh, the people of Israel, right? So you got Moses, but there's two million or so people that are following him out in the desert. How do you lead those people? You can't individually leave those, lead those people. I mean, Moses made leadership mistakes with the uh, 12 spies, right? Uh, he, those 12 spies came back and 10 of them said, we can't do it. And that was the wrong answer. Uh, he should have sent them back into the land and said, no, you got it wrong. The question isn't, can we do it? The question is, how do we best do it? See, that would be leadership. How do you get people to lead all of these people? Exodus eighteen twenty one. Moreover, look for able men from all people and men who fear God. You said that, uh, um, that we need men who understand who God is. The idea that there's something greater than ourselves. See, leaders understand that it isn't about them. From a Christian standpoint, we need to remember that leaders understand that everything is about God and everything is about our heart before God and using what God has given us, whether our leadership is just to our family, our kids, our coworkers, just the people that we live with, whether we have leadership because we have a position or leadership because we just are, we are to lead people. We are to make disciples and it begins with fearing God. Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe. So you need character. Character is a big part of it. And place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, uh, thousands of hundreds of fifties and of tens. See, it's a qualification for leadership that you are trustworthy, that you hate a bribe. It's character. 
men who fear God, people who understand that God is God and you are not. See, I think for our nation, but also for any situation that we find ourselves in, leadership is all about character. It is about doing what is right before God. And it's not about resume. Resume helps. Your education helps. Your knowledge helps. Your talents help. Your skills help. All of those things. But when the people of Israel are told biblically to go find people who lead, what are the qualifications? They need to be able to lead. That's first, able men from all people. Secondly, men who fear God, not to say that they can be able and not fear God. It's not an order here. And then who are trustworthy and hate a bribe. They are people of character. Those are the things that make good leaders. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. If you want to join the conversation, I got to take a break. As soon as I get back, I will take your calls. Don't go away. This is Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you on this Tuesday edition. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow, your host. 888-528-2557 is the number. 888-LA-TALKS. You can also send me an email at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. We're talking about leadership, what makes a good leader. You know, in the Bible, there's this great story about people who, a couple of guys who want to be leaders. And, you know, I think that when we think about leadership, when we talk about the subject, I think maybe some of you check out because you're saying, well, I'm not a leader. I just do this and whatever. No, I, everybody leads, okay, from a, from a biblical standpoint, but also just from a, a standpoint of reality. You lead if you influence people. You can be the guy who pushes a leaf blower down Gower, and you can be the leader of other leaf blowers because you have a good attitude about it. And you can change the entire culture of all the people who do that kind of maintenance for the city. I mean, you might think of yourself as not important, but you are to the people that are around you. And having a good attitude, loving people, all of those things, and caring for people, serving people, those are qualifications of, of leaders. Those are things that actually also move people up, right? If you're, if you're wanting leadership, there's always people who just think it's in the title of it. It's not. It's in the responsibility. Real leadership is in the responsibility of leading people to the right place. Not always where they want to go, but being able to lead people to the right place. And in the Christian sense is to lead people to grow in their faith, to point people to Jesus Christ, to understand that. Biblically, a great story, a story of uh, the sons of Zebedee, who are very close to me personally because I named my boys James and John. Uh, they're not actually named after the sons of Zebedee, the sons of Thunder, James and John. In the Bible, they're named after grandparents, but it, it's obvious that it dawns on me that they're James and John and their brothers. Their mom in Matthew chapter 20 says, Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked a favor of him. What is it that you want? He asked. And she said, Grant that one of those these two sons of mine may sit at your right and on the other at your left in your kingdom. And Jesus says to her, You don't know what you're asking. Can you... And he says to them, can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink? We can, they answered, <laughs> which I think is funny. Jesus must have smiled and laughed a little bit. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my father. When the 10, the other disciples, the other 10 disciples heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers like you would be. Like you, you get bugged at your workplace when uh, somebody is uh, 
you know, kissing the behind of the boss. You just are, right? That's You know that is going on, and nobody likes that very much. Uh, this is what Jesus says. Uh, Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. That's what a lot of people think leadership is, being a ruler and lording it over people and making people do what you want and exercising authority over them. But Jesus says this, he says in verse 26, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know, that's the call for all of us. And it's the call of, of leadership. It's not a, a title that you happen to have. It's how you serve people. That's leadership, whether you're a president, you know, somebody who has that kind of title, somebody who wants that job. Are you going to serve the people or do you just want it because you want the notoriety? You know, what with people that we elect to Congress all the time, you know, I, I met a lot of these people. And when you get to know them at first, they are wanting to serve the people. They even want to serve people who don't vote for them a lot of the time. On both sides of the aisle, this is what they want to do. But after a while, they kind of lose that because they become about the power, about the money, about holding on to power. And deep in their heart, I think sometimes that's there. Sometimes it gets rooted out. The best leaders that we've ever had politically, the best leader that you've ever worked for, the best coach you've ever had, the best pastor you've ever had, these are leaders who sacrifice themselves. They are great because they became your servant, because they lifted you up. See, that's that's a big piece of leadership. We're asking the question, what makes a good leader, and what should we be looking for in leadership? 888-528-2557 is the number if you want to join the conversation. 888-528-2557. Let's go to uh, Belandra in Buena Park. Hello. Did I say your name right? Yeah. I think your topic is not appropriate yet at this time. You know you know what's happening in Washington, D.C. Yeah. I know you're not naive of that. Mm-hmm. All the government officials are wicked, isn't it? So anybody, you said you choose a leader who can unite. It, it's impossible. All right, hold on a second, Belandra. So my my topic is because I do think that we need better leaders. The country is saying in poll after poll after poll, we, we need better leaders. They're all saying this isn't working. So what is it that's going to make us have better leaders? You need to get you need us all to become a born again for you, for God to give us a good leader. Because whether you stand in the right or in the left of the Democrat or the Republican, all of us are wicked. America is trapping to the deep. Unless we have a transformation of heart, we could, we cannot have a leader who will unite us all. Because we have different beliefs and Values, the values of the wicked, they remain in that. The values of the righteous, they remain on that. So how can that be united, okay? All right, uh, Belandra, I thank you for your call. I appreciate that. You know, it's um, the idea that our country needs a change of heart, and she said something there about uh, we're not going to get good leaders unless we have a change of heart. I think that that's true. I think in our country, uh, in countries like ours, where you elect your leaders, you know, to whatever degree, you get the leader you deserve. You get leaders that reflect who you are as a people. I think you just do. Um, however, I also think that at different times, God has had, at, in different times in our history and even other places in world history, God has had mercy and sent us the leader that we needed at that moment to turn us around. And that's that's really where I'm focusing here is, 
is what kind of leader should we be looking for who is understanding the place where we're at right now? What is What does that leader need to look like to move us to a better place so that our hearts change? I do think that leadership uh, can be used to help hearts change. God changes the hearts, but I think that the reason there is a gift of leadership, the reason that we are called in so many ways to to lead is because it's possible and it can really happen. I'll take one more call here. Bob from Garden Grove. Bob, welcome to Southern California Live. Yes, uh, thank you for having me um, on your radio. You know, I'm, I'm listening to KLA. I have all my buttons in the different radio stations. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean the Christian stations. Thank so, you, Bob. What are your thoughts about a good yeah. leader? <laughs> yes, you know, even I'm thinking about the Solomon. Everybody was in the beginning, like you promised him, and doing great, and then later on you see kind of fall short, you know, of the glory or whatever. Uh, even even godly person, uh, I mean, it's very tough on position like that because we need a leader who's going to care for the people, who's going to spend time not just thinking for themselves, for the family or whatever, uh, you know. Uh, so so we need a leader that is like a Moses when he was so tied up with so too many people around. He said, "You need some spiritual people, you need some spirit-filled people," you know. Yeah. Um, and, the, you know, the Rasparol was kind of, you know, was kind of really looking forward to businessman and uh, spiritual man, you know, and everything they tried to put together and somehow he gave up. I kind of get disappointed, you know. I felt like I don't think Republicans, Democrats, we can find anybody. Well, I, I, I hope. Yeah, I hope that you're wrong about that, Bob. And, uh, Bob, thank you for calling Southern California Live. I hope that we can find people. I believe we can. I believe there are leaders out there who we can find. I think that we need to be, first of all, in prayer about this. And I think that we need to be leaders in our own our own sphere of influence. We call it your oikos here, right? The people in your relational world, the people that God has placed in your life. I'm going to leave you with this. There's a lot of in the Bible about leadership. But in the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 17, it says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. See, I like that. As far as it depends on you, you know, that, that makes it a lot smaller, right? That means that it's, it's not as far as it depends on you for the whole country. You're not the president. You don't have that kind of leadership. Maybe one of you will one day, but it's not you. You have, as far as what depends on you, you have about eight, maybe 15 people, my mentor likes to say, that are in your relational world. Love those people. Do not take revenge Leave room for God's wrath, Paul will say. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil. Overcome evil with good. My friends, do that. Love the people God has placed in your life. I'm out of time. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. We'll be back tomorrow at 3 o'clock. God bless you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.